With Halloween just around the corner, my family has plenty of tricks and treats planned. But thanks to Pampers, one thing I have never been afraid of is a leaky diaper. Fear no leaks with new and improved Pampers Swaddlers, now featuring a blowout barrier at the back waist that helps prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blowouts. We've always looked forward to getting the girls dressed up for Halloween when they were babies. And with Pampers, we knew that in addition to being absolutely adorable in their costumes, they would be dry, clean, and comfortable. With Swaddlers, you can rest assured that you have superior leak protection while keeping baby skin healthy. Pampers Breathe Free Liner wicks away wetness, allowing baby skin to breathe, while the lockaway channels help keep baby skin dry and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologists approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Pamper Swaddlers are available in sizes newborn to size 8 and now feature designs with the newest animal characters, Shiloh the Elephant and Freddy the Duck. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. A little update on our March 27th live recording of Latina to Latina. You did it. You sold out our early bird tickets. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There is still time to grab your regular tickets while they last. Again, the details. We are partnering with our friends at Poderistas to bring you a conversation with New York Times bestselling author Sochil Gonzalez. It is happening at the William Vale in Brooklyn on March 27th. You can find the link to purchase tickets on our Instagram page at Latina to Latina or online at Alicia Menendez XO. I cannot wait to see you. This is our 50th episode. Can you believe it? We definitely can. It has been a wild ride so far. Now we want to bring you closer to the show by deepening our connection on Patreon. Your monthly support of $5 or $20 or whatever you can find it in your heart to give helps us find new ways to connect and bring together this incredible community. Plus, we have extra perks for Patreon members, everything from early access to the podcast to one-on-one coaching sessions with me or Juleka. Head over to patreon.com slash Latina to Latina to join us today. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash Latina to Latina. And thank you to our friend Joaquin Guerra for being our very first Patreon supporter. My birthday twin, you're the best. Oh, I never had a conversation about me playing Latina characters because it it wasn't something that was even um, entertained. I did not look like anybody's Latina. Hello, Latina to Latina listeners. This is our 50th episode. Thank you for supporting and lifting us up as we make this podcast for you. To celebrate this very special milestone, we spoke to a Latina who at 50 is fearless and standing firmly in her brilliance. Gina Torres has been Hollywood royalty for decades, and we have watched her play some iconic women on television. But no role allowed Gina to embody her strength, her wisdom, and her power like Jessica Pearson did on Suits for more than five seasons. For the first time, Gina shares why she left such a beloved show, and her reasons will make you admire and respect her even more. Lucky for us, she's returning to USA Network to star in a spinoff she helped create, Pearson, centered on that complicated powerhouse character. You're not just starring in Pearson. You were a driving force behind this. You brought the idea to the production company. You're producing the show. What did it feel like to go into a room and not just pitch yourself as the lead, 
but pitch the idea for a show? Well, that's exactly what I did. I didn't pitch myself as the hmm. lead. I said, I have an idea for the future of Jessica Pearson as a character. had nothing to do with me hmm. trying to get another job. <laughs> it had hmm. everything to do with, I want to tell this story. And I think that's part of what made it interesting. I think that's part of what the powers that be responded to is this is a story that we can tell, that we can tell beautifully. There's a footprint for it already that exists. Um, there's very successful DNA that we get to pull from. And it's also the opportunity to really get to know this incredibly dynamic woman who I think really piqued the interest of a great many For sure. people who watch the show. Right. Like what makes her tick Really, by the time we get to her, she's just this flawless and possibly fantastic, powerful person. But how does she get there? What does it cost her to get there? Is she still sacrificing? Is she still dealing? Is she still is she wrestling at all with the choices that she made along the way? I can't imagine why you'd be drawn to that. (laughs) Why was being attached as a producer important for you? I wanted to make sure that the story was told properly. In some ways, I wanted to turn back the clock and fix some things that weren't addressed as Jessica was sort of being trotted out into the world that were important to me uh, as a woman because I wanted this version of her to be fully realized. Hmm. And I didn't need it to be pretty. I didn't need it to be perfect. In fact, I didn't want her to win all the time. I wanted her to fall. I wanted her to engage and fight for her life in a way that we never got to see before. And when you get to be 50, (laughs) your priorities change and how you see the world changes. And and you, you are looking back as much as you're looking forward. And that's real. When did you know you wanted to act? Oh, I, I just don't ever remember wanting to do anything else. Yeah. I pretended, thought, knew I had other interests. But when I pictured myself, when I sort of projected me forward into a kind of a life, it was always, it was always acting. It was always on stage. Mm-hmm. And did LaGuardia going to LaGuardia make that more real? Yeah. LaGuardia let me know. New York schools, in terms of just the sheer population of mm-hmm. them, and this was this was a while now. <laughs> but our class size back then was like 40. Right. So I'm in a school that has, you know, thousands of kids in it who are gifted. And so to be able to distinguish yourself in some way. And so you're also seeing like, what's the competition and who really wants it and who's going to pursue it as opposed to somebody who's just gifted and they just happen to have landed here, who has a stomach for it. It was sort of a microcosm of what was ahead. And and I remember having a teacher who said, if somebody sits down and tells you every single horror story that could happen and that you're insane and you still want to do it, then you probably should. 
five and a half seasons of Suits. Do you feel like you're basically an attorney at this point? No. I don't retain any of that. That's like algebra. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I feel the same way. I'm like, I took the LSAT. I don't know. Does that count for anything? No. Can't help you with that. And, And to be fair, Jessica Pearson, bless her heart, what's so brilliant about her is that she kind of let everybody else do (laughs) <laughs> the actual lawyering. The actual lawyering. <laughs> That's she the was, kind of lawyer you know, I wanted to be. <laughs> she's a puppet master. She's uh, genius. Yeah. So many years, though, spent traveling between Toronto and L.A. Yeah. to make that sh- I mean, how'd you do it? You start with a prayer that mm-hmm. says, thank you, Jesus. I have a job in another right. year. <laughs> right. <laughs> because that's, I mean, it sort of begins and it ends right there. You hope as an actor that you can go the distance, that you get a job. And then when you get a job, whether it's a movie, you hope that it's successful. If it's a television show, you hope it has a life and that you like the people that you're working with. And so that happens. And you're grateful. So you make it work. You know, there's nothing about having done that show that I regret a single moment of. It's given me so much. It reinforced a work ethic that I had and really tested it. Television is brutal. Mm-hmm. It's brutal well, on Especially you, when you're producing as many episodes as you were producing. Yeah. Like, doesn't it seem so nice, these shows that have a six-episode run? It's like, just I said, that's popping. That's like a weekend. <laughs> it's like, oh, you're working on a weekend? You're doing that so nice for you. But, it doesn't age you at all. <laughs> what did that back and forth mean for the rest of your life? You were talking about family before uh, we started rolling. And I will say that as an actor, you know, we, we, we call ourselves gypsies because you have to go where the work is. And there's a, a kind of agility that that instills in you. And I was so profoundly grateful and happy that I was able to give that to my daughter. Yep. She has an agility in how she moves through the world and, and, and how she sort of accepts change. And it doesn't rock her. When I would read about this, I imagined that you were the one just going back and forth regularly, but you actually would bring her with you to Toronto. Oh, yeah. Well, where Mama goes, everybody goes. Yeah. We packed up the house. I took the dogs. I took, <laughs> I took yeah. yeah, pictures. That they were on the wall because if we were going to be someplace You're gonna be for, there. for you know, the majority of the year, like six to seven months right. out of the year, we we're going to be home. And it was going to be home. And so we were going to make sure that this choice of mine to be a part of the circus did not affect her until such time that she decided that she wanted to be a part of the circus. (laughs) Did it get easier or did it get harder? It got, uh, well, it didn't get easier. (laughs) (laughs) How's that? It didn't get easier. Did it get harder? It got harder towards the end because my dad was really sick. And you took care of both your parents. I took care of my, my mom. My mom's been gone for a while now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, my mom, I, my, I lost my mom in 97. And then your dad. And then my dad two years ago. So I knew that I needed to be close. And irony of ironies, I moved him out to L.A. to watch him and take care of him and make sure that he was good. And, and then I booked suits. And then I was, of course, of course. And so I was, you know, so I'd fly back as much as I could and check in on him and and all of that. And then he started, his health started failing. 
and uh, and that's when I called the producers and said, I I'd love this show. I you know I love you guys. I I but I can't. I, I can't. And I don't think too many people actually know that that's why I left. But I I could not be three thousand miles away during the last however many years I was you know left. What's the problem? You don't know how many years you just left. don't. No, you don't know. You really don't. And thankfully, I I was able to to be there pretty much the year. When my babies were going through their exploration stage, I had so much to worry about. Falling over, bumping heads. What did she just put in her mouth? The list was endless. But when they were in pamper swaddlers, I knew I never had to worry about a leaky diaper. Swaddlers are great for both baby and mommy. They keep your baby's skin healthy and dry with Pampers Breathe-Free Liner, which wicks away wetness, allowing your baby's skin to breathe. Swaddlers have always given me peace of mind knowing that diaper rash and leaky diapers were not in our future. There's also the blow-up barrier at the back waist to help prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blow-ups. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic and free of parabens and latex. Your baby deserves that. And they're available in a wide range of sizes from newborn to size 8. And now feature designs with the newest animal characters, Shiloh the Elephant and Freddy the Duck. Having a diaper you can depend on is important. And it's why I have always loved Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today to start earning rewards with every diapers and wipes purchase. Not to mention, get great parenting content with Pampers Club. Hi, Latina to Latina listeners. It's Brenda from Tamarindo Podcast. And if you love Latina to Latina, then we know that you're going to love Tamarindo Podcast. And if you're in the L.A. area and can't make it to the Latina to Latina live event, we'd like to invite you to our event on March 28th at 6.30 p.m. We're hosting Amigas Blossoming, a night of celebrating and cultivating blossoming friendships. This will be in Highland Park, and all the details to RSVP for free are at tamarindopodcast.com forward slash events. Hey, Red, what are you up to? Just making sure all the M&M's gifts are wrapped and the balls filled. Remember that one holiday party when we had no M&M's? Oh, boy, I still have nightmares. The cookies? Yeah, you used all the M&M's candies that were meant to decorate the party treats to decorate snowmen. You did it again, didn't you? <laughs> they do look cute, though. Bringing cheer, M&M's for all fun kind. We want to tell you about a podcast we think you'll like, TED en Español. In each episode, thought leaders from across the Spanish-speaking world take the TED or TEDx stage to explore the big ideas and questions of our time, like what is the connection between math and love? Can we apply the rules from the games of chess to winning in our lives? Or can entrepreneurs lead us to improving education and health for the entire world? The weekly podcast features talks exclusively in Spanish and is hosted by the curator of TED en Español, Jerry Garbolski. Find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. TED en Español, ideas en nuestro idioma. Gina, you were born in New York, raised in Washington Heights in the Bronx, and I feel like Bronx women are everywhere right now. <laughs> AOC true. is running laps around Congress. <laughs> Cardi B is so hot, she just broke a rodeo attendance record. Closer to home, our EP Juleka, she's Dominican, she was raised in the Bronx. And whenever she prefaces something with, look, I grew up in the Bronx, <laughs> I know that yes. whatever is going to come after is gold. Yes. Um, 
how does growing up in the Bronx still shape you? There's no way that you can enter a, a room such as a pre-Emmy event or the White House or your dressing room backstage at a Broadway theater and not understand the journey that it takes to get to where you are. It's just, it's, it just makes up the fabric of, of your being. I like Bronx girls because they seem to be able to cut through BS much quicker mm-hmm. than most other people, which as a Jersey girl, <laughs> I really appreciate. Uh-huh. Like, you don't have time for foolishness. <laughs> no, there's no time for foolishness. Absolutely not. Your parents immigrated from Cuba before Castro took over. So same as my grandparents. What made them leave? They were poor, not educated. And they did not see a path. They did not see a clear path for a future for themselves. They actually met in New York City. Uh, My father, who was a very brown Cuban, and this is something that really isn't spoken of very often in, in the Latin community, is that racism was very prevalent in Cuba, in Puerto Rico, in, in Latin America. The disease hit us as much as it hit anywhere else. Mm -hmm. And that was most definitely the case in Cuba, as in the 50s, where he never saw a brown man in a position of power. Right. The same could be said of my mother, where her greatest hope was to sort of be married off into a good family Mm -hmm. and being sponsored by a good family. And that's what she was. She was she was a personal maid to one of the very, very rich families, political families in Cuba at the time, in Batista's Cuba. So they decided to leave for a better life. And I never forget the story of, of my dad saying landing in he, he went to Detroit first and going to the store and seeing a brown man behind the counter. Which to him was absolutely a position of power, being trusted to be behind Mm -hmm. the counter, handling money, in charge of, and how that shaped him. And that's what he was there for. That's what he wanted for himself. And my mom wanted to be um, uh, a stewardess (laughs) so that she could travel, you know, and and see the world and see the rest of the country and dip into Cuba to see her family, um, you know, whenever she could. And then... The gates closed behind them, shut down tight behind them. I know. My aunt always talks about that, how they left thinking they'd return. Mm -hmm. And that day never came. No. Did they then consider themselves immigrants or did they consider themselves exiles? No, they were immigrants. They considered themselves immigrants, absolutely, because they came of their own volition. They Mm -hmm. they had a, a dream and then a plan and they created a family and... Uh, my father got his citizenship right away. They were very proud. And, and that's that's one of the things that I also just loved growing up the way I did. We were of Cuban descent. My father always said, you are of Cuban descent, but you are American. <laughs> and that was drilled into us. Now, make no mistake, you walked into our apartment in the Bronx and it was Cuba. I mean, there was there was <laughs> there was music playing, there was Spanish being spoken, there was food being uh cooked. But we were American. And because you were the baby of the family, were you the most American? Probably. 
Yes. And the fact that my sister lives in the UK and my brother lives in Switzerland, I would say that (laughs) I I could say with a great deal of authority that yes, (laughs) I'm probably the most American. (laughs) 12 years old, you go back to Cuba for the first time. Mm -hmm. What do you remember? I remember landing in Jose Marti Airport and the smell of the diesel fuel and the heat and the humidity. And it was dark. It was nighttime. And we got in the car and went to my grandmother's house. And it was the first time my mother had seen my grandmother in 22 years. Gosh. And she saw her and... I just saw heaving and there weren't a lot of words. There was just tears and heaving and she just kneeled beside her and grabbed her hand and kissed her hands and and kissed her face. And, and I'm saying this, you know, these people are strangers to me. I mean, I, I saw them in pictures and maybe rarely heard a voice on the phone, but it was just for a week. And that entire week, I never saw my mother leave my grandmother's side. Of course. (laughs) Sorry, now that I'm a mom, can you have 22 years? 22 years. And it was all of that. And I was was like, I'm in Cuba. (laughs) (laughs) And they were all so amazed that I spoke English and that they could communicate with with me. And they were so full of questions. and, And I finally... I felt like I belonged somewhere. It was my family. I, I, you know, I was growing up next to kids that got to go to Puerto Rico for the summer or, you know, Jamaica or wherever it was. Or there was a family reunion in Virginia or I, I had none of that. So to be in Cuba with my cousin and 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 she looks like me mm-hmm. and my uncle who looks like my dad and these people who it's just this i it's the first time i understood unconditional love it's like you belong to us come here (laughs) i was like okay The toilets don't flush, but this is really cool. <laughs> it's the best feeling ever. Yeah. Have you gone back since? I went back. Like, it's funny because I went back every four years for for a couple of years. And, and the first time we went back, I think the U.S. had boycotted the Olympics. But I got to see them because I was there. <laughs> and then Fancy. four years later, they boycotted the Olympics. I didn't get to see anything. I think the last time I went, I was 22. So you haven't been back since Obama opened things up? No. No. Yeah. Just timing. Yep. I've been a little busy. You've been busy in Canada. <laughs> I've been a little busy. So then you go on to play Justine Diaz in a Shondaland show, The Catch. What was it like to be a part of Shondaland? Fantastic. <laughs> it was, first of all, it's shot in L.A. So it was a gift from God. Yeah. And then I get to play with Mireille Enos and Peter Kraza and, <laughs> and like this incredible cast, one more lovely than the next. And in light of everything that was going on in my personal life, it was just sunshine. 
you know, everybody cared about the work. They cared about landing those moments and but also like getting home to their families. I was working with grown-ups and they were incredibly supportive and they, you know, they knew about my dad and and they supported that and so and it was great. It was great to play this sort of irreverent cop detective. <laughs> all sides of the law for Gina Torres. Sides, absolutely. Uh, prior to the catch, you had been on ABC's radar for a long time. You were cast as the lead in an ABC pilot, The Death of Ava Sofia Valdez. Mm-hmm. It is one of a handful of roles where you've played an identifiable Latina character. Mm-hmm. What was the first conversation you ever had in Hollywood about you playing Latina characters? Oh, I never had a conversation about me playing Latina characters because it it wasn't something that was even um, entertained. I did not look like anybody's Latina. And it's so funny. I I, um, posted something the other day on Instagram. I was working out on a trampoline and I had a Mark Anthony song playing in the background. I was singing along to, to, you know, Vivid. And I rarely look at the comments, but a friend of mine had commented and I was, you know, I was responding to that reply and and I sort of, my eye sort of caught one of the comments that said, she doesn't look Latina at all, but I'm glad that da da da. And I was like, still, (laughs) still, I wasn't mad. I was just like, wow, there's still so far to go that we're still thinking that Latinas look one way and sound one way. But that's what I was. I I certainly wasn't Latina, and I wasn't white enough, and I wasn't black enough. And so what the hell was I going to (laughs) be? And I was a foot taller than pretty much everybody else in the room. But it was jarring, certainly when I first started in, in the industry, because I thought, well... I had the opposite effect. I looked at it. I can play anybody. Right. I can play any number of people. Just how I look at you. It's ex- <laughs> exactly because it, it none of it's a lie. It's if you know anything about the makeup of any given island in the Caribbean, you know, we encompass the world. And our experience in the world is very much that. So do you feel embraced by Latino Hollywood? I do. Do you feel embraced by Black Hollywood? I, I, I feel embraced by the people who inhabit it. Right, 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 right. <laughs> I feel embraced by my brethren, right. by, you know, certainly the Latino community in the industry. Absolutely. I feel embraced by the African-Americans in, in the community because we're all in the same place, you know, wanting to be seen first as a talent, first as right. a force and what we're bringing to the table. Um, and that the rest of it should be secondary and not to the exclusion of because I'm very proud of of where I come from. See, this is this is that area where it gets really dicey, where you can say something and then it's misconstrued as something else. Not wanting to be seen as a Latin actor first doesn't mean that you're sidelining your ethnicity or your culture. Because I can't hide that, nor do I want to. Right. But it's just like there's more to me than that. And that's part of what makes me awesome. Yeah, that's part <laughs> of what well. I can offer you. Yeah. For those of us who are Gina Torres fans, this feels like your moment. Does it feel that way to you? I I I, I hope it's not. I hope 
I hope it's just like like the first ray of sunshine that's peeking through the window blinds, mm-hmm. you know. I because I it feels like I got here. Like this is like every every choice I made, every door I walked through, every choice that was ever made on my behalf. It, it it's just it's all getting to this. It's all gotten to this real sweet spot where I can now push it all forward and and beyond even what I had imagined. Okay, so what's the plan? <laughs> it sounds good, doesn't it? It does. I want to keep telling stories. Mm-hmm. I want to continue to produce. You said something in a New York Times article that I want needle-pointed onto a pillow, which is, this is good, like I hope you wrote this down, which is, life is about choices, and the grace or lack thereof with which you execute them is a make-or-break moment in anyone's life. I said that? It's good, right? Wow, that's good. good. (laughs) Can you tell me about a time when you lacked or summoned that grace? Oof. You know, somebody just reminded me of one. I was 24 and had auditioned for a Broadway show, and they kept bringing me back and bringing me back. And then didn't hire me, hired a name, and then brought me in to be the understudy. (laughs) And the name was Fired. (laughs) but I didn't get the job and for two weeks I rehearsed with the cast I was like a set piece I rehearsed Mm -hmm. with the cast while they auditioned every single actress in New York City to take that part and I showed up for work every day and I made choices. I was in the play. I was a great scene partner with the other actors that I was working with. And this was a Broadway show with a multi-Tony Award winning director. And it broke my heart every day at lunchtime when I'd see my friends auditioning for the part. You know, and I remember one day I went to the casting director and I said, you know, you haven't seen so-and-so yet and she's so good and you should give her a shot. And she looked at me and she said, Gina, how? <laughs> I said, if it's not mine, right. it, should, it should go to someone, you know, that, that you believe in. At the end of all of that, I got the job. Hmm. That's satisfying just, or unsatisfying? I don't know. It was incredibly satisfying because here's the thing. There are so many intangibles when you're walking through life. And, and I said this to somebody one day. It's like, you can plan and plan and plan and plan and plan and plan. Because we know those people that they just, you know, they plan within an inch of their lives. I said, but you, you always have to make room for magic. You always have to leave something open. You have to leave your hands and your spirit and your heart open for whatever God, spirit, universe, whatever you believe in, <laughs> has in store for you. And so in that moment, all I could do was the best that I had in me. And if it wasn't going to be that, 
it was going to be something else. It happened to be that. <laughs> but, but what a good way to fate. go through life. Yes. Yeah. And you have you have to trust. And, and, and it's it's trusting that what you put your heart into and what you believe is your right path is. Because if you don't, then anybody and anything can knock you off of that path and take you somewhere else. And then you're adrift. Perfect note to end on. Gina, thank you so much. <laughs> you're so welcome. Thanks, as always, for joining us. Latina to Latina is executive produced and owned by Juleka Lantigua Williams and me. Maria Muriel is our sound designer. Carolina Rodriguez is our sound engineer. Emma Forbes is the show's intern. We love hearing from you. Email us at hola at latinatolatina.com. Remember to subscribe or follow us on Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you're listening. And please leave a review. It is the quickest way to help us grow as a community. You love what? That you're doing this. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, that you're doing this. I mean, we're on fire right now and so not afraid to speak our minds. I mean, I look at the Latinas that are out there right now that are using their voice and their platform. I'm like, yes. Yeah, where we all been? No, I know. I know. Yes. I know. And thank you, please. I know. A little update on our March 27th live recording of Latina to Latina. You did it. You sold out our early bird tickets. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There is still time to grab your regular tickets while they last. Again, the details. We are partnering with our friends at Poderistas to bring you a conversation with New York Times bestselling author Sochil Gonzalez. It is happening at the William Vale in Brooklyn on March 27th. You can find the link to purchase tickets on our Instagram page at Latina to Latina or online at Alicia Menendez XO. I cannot wait to see you.